1: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a fantastic show for you today. It's called 12 Ways to Boost Your Confidence in Real Estate. And, you know, Julie, I had an interesting coaching call today with actually one of our clients, uh, Brandon Jackson. Mm -hmm. I have a handful of clients still myself. And Brandon is one of the, he runs one of the most successful, it's called High Garden Realty offices in the country. He has a lot of agents that are extremely loyal to him. Fantastic at not only uh, being an agent, but also basically inspiring other agents to perform at the highest level. And, And it should be said that one of the reasons that he is so successful at running an office, at recruiting agents, is because he's an active agent himself. And agents like the fact that he is in the field, he is on the front lines, he is dealing with the same stuff that they're dealing with on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. and that attracts agents to him. So I'm having this conversation with him today, and I know he listens to the radio show, and he's going to probably be a little bit embarrassed that I'm bringing this out, because I also know he shares this radio show with all of his agents. And one of the things I noticed was, is that he was not really taking it into the end zone on every opportunity that he had. So there would be situations where he basically wouldn't follow our complete um you know, pre listing pack, he wasn't following complete listing presentation. He was treating um he was hmm. basically trying to make the situation determine how he was actually going to proceed with the seller. And he was uh, in other words, he was basically not following the system. He was not doing what we were supposed to do on you know, in hmm. treating all sellers the same. And I brought out, I asked him why, and he said, well, in some cases, you know, he actually said this. And I thought it was honest, and I appreciate it, and I'm going to share it with all of you. He said, especially with for sale by owners, which we call unrepresented sellers, he said sometimes he feels awkward because he walks into these sellers' houses, and he feels well in, in the market in which he's selling, very hot seller's market, and the price range of, say, said thisbo he feels like the seller could sell the house themselves and he feels a little disingenuous trying to get that seller to sign the contract, a little disingenuous trying to get that seller to commit to him. Now, I will give him on the surface, I'll give him credit for being uh trying to do what's best for the seller. I'll give him credit for doing what's ethical and honest, okay? So there is that. But the flip side to it is he's partially right. Maybe the seller could have sold the house themselves for the same price. But that's not the only value that he brought to the transaction. I mean, everyone in this market certainly uses a home inspection as another opportunity to renegotiate the contract. And there's all the other little miscellaneous hand-holding things that go along in the process to get a deal closed. And he was not actually seeing the whole picture. So so what if a seller could sell the house for 300 and he could sell it for the same price? He wasn't necessarily going to be able to net the seller more off the list price. But when you factor in all the added hassle, when you factor in all the added, you know, little negotiation things that come up during the closing of a transaction, he was offering the seller tremendous value. But the lingering thought in his head of the, well, I can't necessarily sell it for more than for sale by owner in those few select cases, was actually preventing him from closing on. So he wasn't treating everybody the same. So what I suggested, and I'm suggesting this to all of you guys, is you do not have a listing presentation for your neighbor. You do not have a listing presentation for your friends. You do not have a listing presentation for the for sale by owner. You do not have a listing presentation for your rabbi, your pastor, your preacher. You have the same approach to every single seller you ever come in contact with. When you uh, start taking for granted, you know, pivoting to talk about centers of influence and past clients, When you start taking for granted that the centers of influence and past clients are just going to list with you because they love you, because you're friends, because you guys go to soccer games or whatever, and so in those cases, you don't have to follow the procedure, follow the process of the pre-listing pack and the listing presentation and helping them understand the process. When you take their business for granted, that's when they list with somebody else. So Brandon and everybody else, follow the process. Do it the exact same way every single time because then you start getting consistent results. Otherwise, it's impossible for you to go back and sort of triage why you didn't get this listing or that listing. Because you know, on a coach, when you're working with your coach, when the coach asks you, "Well, did you send out the pre-listing pack?" Yes. Okay. Did you send out the pre-listing pack with all the pages that are part of real estate coaching essentials, or did you send out your version? Well, I sent out my version. I changed this and I changed that. Why did you change this and change that? And you know, what was the ram? What are the ramifications of having made edits and alterations? Well, sometimes they're bigger than you think. Same thing with the listing process. Did you use the Sharpie clothes? Coaching clients, you know what that is. Did you follow the whole entire listing process where you walk through the house and you start walking through with the digital recorder and you go through all that? Again, coaching clients, you know what I'm talking about. If you're just doing that here and there and you're not doing it every single time, don't be surprised if you're not taking very many listings. Be consistent. Be a professional. When a surgeon goes in to do surgery, When a pilot goes in to fly the plane, when any professional (laughs) is about to engage in what you're paying them to do, they follow a procedure, they follow a checklist, they do the same thing every single time. It becomes uh, so, you know, they become so efficient at it, they don't even have to think about it. All of you have to get to that level. That is called being a true professional. That is called, you know, in essence, that's what being a listing agent is all about. You know, take your skill set to the next level, and then don't become complacent about it. Keep on pushing it higher and higher and higher. All right. So there's that. Julie, do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Well, I know you know ran what I was thinking. Yeah, all the time. It's all like all these special, elaborate rules that are applied in certain situations. No. Well, we're not we're not saying that you have to have an, a super cookie cutter presentation. What we're saying is that your process should be cookie cutter so that you always send a pre-listing package even if it's to your mom even if it's to your best past client what i was thinking tim was you know just to remind these guys how the seriousness of this imagine if you went to your friend who's a doctor and they didn't bother to ask you the same questions about what ails you because they know you ah you know i got them figured out i've known them for years wouldn't they be missing something major versus what they actually do, which is put you through the same questions, the same exam as they do every single person. Now, part of that's because they're more regulated than we are. and they have. But, to. Julie, you bring, up, but, you, you bring up a funny point,
1: though. I mean, what mm-hmm. if you, like, were best friends with your neighbor who's the doctor, right, and you go yeah. to him, and when you go to him because he's such good friends with you, he doesn't feel comfortable asking you all the questions about, you know, that he'd normally ask a yeah. patient. He, he doesn't feel, wing you know, it. so – He'll just wing it. Oh, we're friends. I don't need to ask about any other, you know, whatever other things you might have going on that actually might be lending to the problem, you know. So, guys, you get the insanity of it all, right? And it really comes back down to the fact that you're not seeing yourselves as professionals. Just follow the system, you know. Just follow our procedure. It is easier. Just go through every single aspect of what we're asking you to do as a coaching client and do it exactly. Say it exactly like we give you the scripts to say, and you'll get a very consistent result. It works. It works in all price ranges. It works in all markets. It works for everybody. So please stop making things so hard on yourselves and just follow the process. Just make it like you're working at the post office. You show up. You do your job. You go home. That is what you can do um, If you have an actual system to follow, which is what we offer. Now, Julie, I heard something very controversial, and I haven't talked to you about this yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was on a blog that I read, and I actually was talking with Teak Wiggins over at Inman about this um, this morning. So there was a study that just came up, and I didn't tell you about this, but there was a study that just came up. Uh, And uh, maybe we talk about this on the radio, maybe we don't. Listeners, if you want us to talk more about this, then you've got to email us, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. But here's the gist of it. The way uh, they were, uh, this report, which was done by a nonpartisan, non-association, non-industry, very well-respected, 100% legitimate, um, you know, basically group of economists, right? So they studied the uh, ramifications of, Commissions being co op commissions being less than three hmm. percent and like from discounters and all that. And they found out that the days in the market's longer and that's that's as far as they went on the research, but they're also I'm sure will find that in essence that what's happening and their theory was, one of their conclusions were is that the reason that the days in the market's longer, even if the pricing isn't an issue or condition isn't an issue or location's not an issue, is because the agents are choosing not to show it because the the commission Mm -hmm. isn't what the commission for the house down the street is, right? So they're saying that because it's sort of uh, empirically true at this point that that's happening, and they can document it over a many-year study. They're looking at the MLS in 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 an area of Pennsylvania. So they've proven that essentially the industry blackballs commission, uh, or, you know, buyer, I'm sorry, listings that have a less-than-market buyer-agent commission, Now they're saying, well, because of that, then there is evidence that there should be some kind of regulation that's put in place um, because there's some monopolistic behaviors that are actually uh, uh, evidently happening that are (laughs) anti-consumer. So that was kind of one of the theories they came up with. Now, here's where I'm going to give you guys uh, a potential of where this could go. If that gets some legs, which who knows if it will or won't, but if that starts getting some legs and it gets politicized and people start talking about it, then what's going to happen is – is that you're going to see a separation of the commissions more so than ever. So you will see very quickly if that starts becoming an issue, if that becomes, if all of a sudden there's regulations that are starting to, you know, if people believe that there's going to be laws passed or, you know, whatever, whatever. Like there have been in other industries that have operated like ours does in the past where there's a cooperative a commission-sharing type thing. So if that actually happens, what will happen is buyer agents will have to start – Um, justifying their commissions to the buyers and the buyers are gonna have to start paying the buyer's agents commissions directly in other words there will not be a co-op anymore unless the buyer has a separate fee agreement with the buyer's agent and the maybe the uh, buyer's agent in the process negotiating the contract says you know seller will pay buyer's agents commission of three percent right in other words the buyer is going to start overtly paying the commission of the buyer's agent Uh, And that's something that, frankly, I'm surprised hasn't happened already. It's happened in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Again, very real chance. And uh, if you're dependent, if your business is dependent, uh, overly dependent on buyer sides, if all of a sudden you had to start telling the buyers that you worked with that, yes, I'll be more than happy to help you find a house, but by the way, you're going to have to pay me, you know, 3% or 2% or whatever of whatever you spend how difficult would it be, depending on your price range, to get that buyer to actually agree to that? It would be very difficult, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm, and if the commission sure. became really overt, that the buyer actually saw it um, when they were writing, a, you know, writing the contract, and they started seeing and it started becoming a, you know, just big red flag in the process. That's when the the sands under your feet, if you're heavily dependent on buyer starts, the buyer sides starts to shift. That goes back to the premise and one of the founding pillars of our coaching organization which is if you want to last in this industry, you have to learn how to be a listing agent. Because if all of these sort of things, as some people believe, play out, and the viability of buyer's agents, uh, uh, you know, basically, if again, think about it. You have to explain to a buyer uh, why they should pay you, you know, let's say it's a you know, $500,000 house. I mean, that is going to be some really good scripting to get that buyer to believe that you're worth that $15,000 that you traditionally have been paid Uh, and how that's going to hypothetically go on top of the actual list price of the house, or the sale price of the house, where nowadays, what does the buyer have access to? The MLS themselves, the listing agents themselves, the sales data themselves. They have access to all the service providers. They have access to all the market data. They have access to all the, you know, basically school ratings and all the rest of the things that 20 years ago agents used to lord over. Now it's publicly available. So Guys, you know as well as I do, realistically, a lot of buyers go out there, when you're working with them, they've already predetermined where they're going to look and what they're going to buy. They know. You're not telling them what they're going to do. They're telling you where they want to go, right? That's true. So... If that comes to pass, that if all of a sudden, uh, you know, essentially it's not just assumed that the seller's paying the buyer's agent's commission and you have to start negotiating for your commission or trying to uh, sell it to the buyer as to why they should pay it, well, you know what's going to happen. Very quickly, that whole nature, that whole side of the business, the whole buyer side of the business is going to evaporate. Or at least it's going to radically change because then people will start competing. I'll help you buy a house for $500. bucks. i will help you buy a house for 1000 bucks. So then, again... The power goes back to the listing agents. You know, the agents, the buyers will hypothetically start calling the listing agents directly. You know, that's how it's done in England. You'll start seeing a lot of other changes happen, and those types of changes will happen very quickly because they'll be driven by the people who pay our fee, which is the seller. So as soon as the sellers realize that half the commission that they've been traditionally paying is now optional, how many of them are going to choose to pay yeah, it? I'm going exactly. with damn near none, Okay. So as you look to your 12 months and 24 months into the future, I'm giving you what potentially might be one of the biggest headwinds that all of us have faced in our careers, the potentiality of buyer's agents' commissions either going away or becoming something that is literally and legitimately up for negotiation. Have that in mind as you're making decisions where you're going to be investing your time and where you're going to be improving uh, your business. I beg you to take seriously the opportunity uh, that is in being a listing agent because if there's an excellent chance that in the near future that might be the only opportunity that's really left uh, Left is focusing on becoming a listing agent. And if you don't have the skills, if you don't have the motivation, if you don't have the direction, if you don't have a plan, which is all the things that it takes to be a really powerful listing agent, well, guess what? You're going to have to go do something else, which might be good to the industry, might not be good to the industry. So there it is. We, pride ourselves in being able to give you guys potential headwinds, problems, things to look out for on the horizon. There's a big one. Be aware of it. So, Julie, let's get to our topic.
0: You got it. So, 12 ways to boost your confidence in real estate. And, of course, this could be applied to buyer or seller sides or both, but to your earlier point, you know, we always would joke in our business, the answer to any question you have is always take more listings. So feel free to apply (laughs) boosting your confidence to taking more listings. Okay, so let's start out with the basic premise that knowledge equals power and ignorance equals fear. So just digest that for a second. How much of your fear comes from fear of the unknown, being ignorant of certain facts or being afraid of the unknown, what could happen, what might happen, all that. So the way to work against that is to realize knowledge equals power. So point number one in our 12 ways to To boost your confidence Uh, point number one is know the basics so that you won't live in fear of someone asking you something basic about real estate that you know that you should know so for example what's happening in your market Are prices going up down or holding steady what's the average days on the market in your town in your micro market that you're working on in the neighborhood you're listing in tonight what's the average sale price what are today's interest rates what's happening with new construction these are all questions that you should not be living in fear of So knowledge equals power. These are, you know, Tim, this is stuff that any agent at any level should know and is easily accessible. You can find that online. You can find it in your papers. Here's a secret. Read the real estate sections of your local paper. Read Inman News. Do what you're doing right now and listen to our radio show. So this one is easily curable and basically free. No excuses. Know the basics. So that way you can eliminate that ignorance equals fear factor on knowing some stuff here. All right. So point number two. You should know how to answer. This is such a simple thing, Tim, but you, should, you know, this is something the coaches do on coaching calls to put them on the spot. Very simple script. you got to know how to answer. What do you do for a living? I'm in real estate. I'm so blessed to help people sell and buy homes here in Austin, Texas. What do you do? It's that simple. Now, here's the secret. Just say what you do. You're not a home counselor. You're not a all these fancy weird terms you guys come up with to avoid sounding like a salesperson. You're in sales. You help people buy and sell real estate. Be able to answer that. Does that make sense to him? It seems like oversimplifying. Then how many well, agents gonna you know, th- tap dance th- that?
1: <laughs> so here's here's <laughs> the thing, right? So I'm a, I'm an agent, and I don't consider myself a salesperson. I'm an agent, and I never call myself a salesperson or a realtor, right? So I'm a I'm a pick your other sort of descriptive word. When I start going down that road. Uh, mindset-wise, of not saying I'm a salesperson and believing that it's my job to become the best salesperson there ever was, what happens is that you start shutting your mind off to scripts, objection handlers. Mm -hmm. You start shutting your mind off to organized presentations. You actually stop trying to improve your sales skills because, after all, you're a home counselor. And a home counselor is not a – you know. so, guys, it all goes back to your mindset. You are – the public sees you as – salesperson. So become a really good salesperson. Oh, God, Tim, nobody nobody likes salespeople. No, everybody loves a good salesperson. Everybody hates a bad salesperson. Nobody makes fun of a good salesperson. Everybody makes fun of a bad salesperson. So become a good one, the best one that there ever was. That should be your own personal mantra when it comes to your business. I am the best salesperson that there ever was. Now, what does it mean to become that best salesperson? That's where all the rest of it comes in, skills, objection handlers, mindset. Because the better the salesperson you are, the more people you're going to be able to help at a higher level accomplish their goals, and then what happens as a result of that, what you want out of this business, money, freedom, right? So stay focused. Next point, Julie.
0: Next point is point number three. Make the commitment to stop guessing and winging your way through real estate. Get and use the necessary scripts and presentations so you know what to say and how to say it. Most common excuse that coaches hear, why someone hasn't done things like lead follow-up, talking to your sellers, talking even to your pending people, certainly lead follow-up, is I just didn't know what to say. So stop winging it. Winging it means you're not taking enough action. Okay? It, that's what a good coach does, is it helps you get out of your own way. So make sure that you are getting in front of your script. Know what to say and how to say it. You're more likely to actually open your mouth. Okay, point number four, only follow the coaching or advice from those who have done what you're wanting to do and who have done it consistently. Only follow the coaching or advice from those who have actually done it. That means if you're walking into a free coaching session in your office, you need to know what is the background of that person and should you even be paying attention to them one iota. So secret, your free coach is probably free for a reason. Ask key questions of who you're trusting with your education just makes sense. You you guys are great at doing that on uh, other things, so why wouldn't you vet the people who you're trusting to your education? You should. Point number five, focus on the accumulation effect. Success in real estate happens hour by hour, day by day, not all at once. You are self-employed or self-unemployed daily depending upon your actions. The more consistent you are, the faster you'll get there. So if you're having cash spurts, it's probably the result of work spurts, versus cash flow, which which is the result of the accumulation effect. And I know that frustrates some of you guys, and you don't really want to hear that it's it's hour by hour, day by day, and you have to accumulate all of that effort. I can't fix that for you other than to let you know that the more you do it daily, the more days in a row, the shorter it takes. It's fighting it that takes forever. So focus on the accumulation effect. If you're looking to build confidence, do it on a daily basis by taking the action on the things that actually lead to a paycheck. A lot of you guys are good at creative avoidance on that particular topic. Point number six, this is a big one, Tim. Understand that only you expect yourself to know everything. We're talking about confidence building here. You're the only one that expects yourself to know everything all the time about real estate. This is a specific issue, a lot of different personality styles, but especially with our analytical and amiable people who live in fear of conflict. So learn the script. When somebody asks you something, puts you on the spot, and you don't know the answer, that's a great question. I'm writing it down so I can get you an answer by this evening. What's the best way to reach you then? Versus feeling like you have to BS your way to an answer and then backtrack later. Know your basic stuff. We talked about point number one. Go ahead.
1: Well, isn't that perfectionist tendency just basically another form of procrastination, which is the kissing cousin of just being lazy?
0: Well, it is, but it comes in many forms, right? So... They'll try and use that as an excuse. I've got to be perfect at it. i got to get better my scripts before I, you know, dip my foot in the pool. So I think ultimately it's an expression of ego. Expecting yourself to be an all-out expert all the time, it's an expression of ego, and it's actually unrealistic. But it, it does rear its ugly head in the form of an excuse on a coaching call. So let go of the thought that you're going to ever know everything all the time about real estate. You know, we saw this a lot when short sales were prevalent and agents would hesitate to actually do one until they felt like they knew the ins and outs of every bank package that was out there. So that didn't actually make them any money. Well, so can we the linger that there, expect- Julie? Yeah,
1: sure. That's that's such a good point. I want to I want to just linger on this point for just a second because I just have this intuitive feel that there's a lot of agents out there that are listening and that they're guilty of you know they okay they're you know they're analytical so they're certainly not going to <laughs> they're not going to say okay you guys are right. You know, I'm approaching this wrong because an analytical person would never in a billion years admit that or say it like that because that's just the reality of how analytical people think because they're always looking for basically the gray areas and all the rest of it. And it's all good, okay? So here's a thought. If you know that you are somebody who is getting ready to get started, which is what Julie's point was all about, if you're always in the phase of learning it or perfecting it or you're always in the phase of i got to tweak it or I have to study it or I am going to research it, opposed to taking the action and doing the things that actually get you paid in real estate, which is lead generation, lead follow-up, presenting, negotiating contracts and closing contracts. In other words, the things that actually put you in front of actual customers, but you're deciding to do all the other stuff. So someone's in that state, you've had droves of coaching clients like this. Our coaches themselves have to help agents move past this sort of, you know, elegant procrastination method that analytical people have a tendency to do. Julie, what advice would you give to people if they're willing to be introspective and admit that that's their malady?
0: Well, I think you just have to let it go that you're not. It's actually impossible to know everything about real estate all the time in every situation. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Let it go. And Let's just say for a second that you did get to that point. Don't you think all the rules are going to change on you immediately anyway? Look at what's happened with the closing rules and all the changes there, and God how that's frank, shaking things yeah. up. Okay. Well, but if I'm so, stuck in the
1: mud, if I'm stuck in the mud as an analytical person, and I'm not taking action, or I'm not taking enough actions to move the needle. And I'm looking for in typical analytical folks will start to look for external reasons why they're not taking actions. In other words, they no, don't want to be introspective mm-hmm. and say, sure. "Okay, it's just because basically I'm stuck in the mud." Right? Again, getting back to ego. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep it real here, guys. Yeah. So, Julie, when they have that particular, they've come, you know, okay, I want, I get it. That might be me. I want to take actions. What do I do? Mm-hmm. So, in those steps, in those in those times, if you know that's you, or you suspect it might be you. And you're just not moving forward fast enough, even though, and you know you're, you know, somebody who has at this point enough skill that you're probably going to be just fine, isn't the reality a simple like maybe two or three things that they do every single day, or one thing that they do every single day, just so sure. they can start building momentum. So, so like if you're stuck in the mud, if you know that we're describing you, or even partially describing you, um, and you're obviously, if you, your coach will work you through it. So just let your honest with your coach you know use your coaching call as a professional and say listen i know that i'm not moving forward fast enough because i realize that i'm spending too much time getting ready to get started and you know what tim and julie said on the radio show that's me okay great so your coach will work you through that for the rest of you who have not become coaching clients yet which i'm confident all of you will here's the thought for you set aside like have a minimum standard of maybe doing one two or three things every single day at the highest level and they don't have to be really hard things, just things that when you're looking back upon, at the end of the day, you'll be proud of yourself for having done. If you feel like your day never ends, that it runs 24 hours a day, and you never really get anything done, it's because you probably don't get anything done and probably because you don't say, okay, work day is over. So what I'm suggesting to you is if you are in, if you are in that state of uh, not knowing what your next step is, Julie, what are the two or three things that virtually every agent can do every single day that, when done on a regular basis, builds momentum and starts breaking them free of this you know imprison this self-imposed imprison, imprisonment that they find themselves in?
0: Well, I think the number one thing every agent should do—I don't care whether your scripts are not polished yet or what stage you're in—so note to self: learning your scripts extra helps analytical types because they get really good at it really fast, probably better than anyone. But mm-hmm. ultimately, you have to do relentless, urgent lead follow-up. I don't care if you don't feel like it. If somebody has raised their hand wanting your help, that is an well, what if absolute minimum standard. If they don't have any leads, they they don't have no have any leads then person. obviously they got to get cracking, actually communicating with people, not being a secret agent. So usually what we do is we set them on, up on three to five center of influence types of events if you're really nervous talking in front of people, sign yourself up for Toastmasters. That will cure you quickly because you'll be forced to do it. So put yourself into situations on purpose that make you uncomfortable because guess what? That's also where the money is since most of your colleagues are also uncomfortable doing those things. So and for a minimum standard, down. when you do have leads, you do your lead follow-up. If you don't, you've got to get out there making your, you know, growing your center of influence list at a very basic level.
1: So, for example, you might have the rule for yourself that every single day, hell or high water, you're going to have, uh, you're going to make three contacts. And those three contacts can be with your friends. You know, you're, again, I'm just trying to get you to realize. But you that
0: must talk certain, about real estate.
1: You must, exactly. Whom do you, in simple scripts that are totally and completely innocuous, That, but that they, they do work. By the way, Julie, who do you know that I should be helping buy or sell a home right now? I mean, you Super slip that simple. in any conversation with anybody. You think they're going to be offended? Hell no! And they're not going to reject you for saying it because you emphasize the word help, right? Exactly. Guys, right. this is easy. So start by you know, if you find yourself to Julie's last point where you're stuck, not knowing what to do next, make a list of two or three things. Julie said urgent lead follow up. Well, that's great if you have leads. You want to go in? Well, hit hey, coaching clients. Have our 90-day massive action plan or sometimes we call it your survival plan, depending on what your situation is, that works really, really well because it gives you a step-by-step thing that you should be doing every single day for the next 90 days. matter of fact, coaching clients, um, if you think it's okay to slow down at any time of year, and maybe some of you slow down in the spring, some of you just slow down, you know, because you're going to take some time off in August, some of you slow down during the holidays, all these types of things, that is a huge mistake. You still have to hold yourself accountable to three to five things every single day. Otherwise, you've got to rebuild all your momentum again. That just takes too long. So 90-day massive action plan, homework for all coaching clients that are feeling like they might be a little bit stuck. And for the rest of you, lead, urgently lead follow-up. Urgently follow-up is like they call, you call them back. You know, they email you, you call them back. They text you, you call them back. There's no communications like that are better than phone hour, in person. the same hour, not the
0: same week? Yeah same hour well
1: like instantly not hour yeah. right i know hours too long I'm giving
0: them too much room instantly
1: i know you are <laughs> yeah, exactly because they'll take they'll take it down to the 59th uh, 59th minute you know they will okay and, and then <laughs> right. and then open houses you know do some things that are going to put you in front of people Make so you can actually at, Make contact, that's the thing. So listen, guys, if there's anything, we're going to get to our rest of our points tomorrow. If there's anything we can ever be doing to help you, to get you motivated, to help, you know, education, motivation, get you into action. Those are our three primary uh, objectives of doing this radio show. Educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. You know, from the feedback, we do a pretty good job with the first two. The last thing is up to you. So the getting into action, if you find yourself motivated, if you find yourself getting a little bit smarter because we're doing a decent job educating you, and but you're not taking action, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And remember, just by requesting the free coaching call, we send you a link to download Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate and also another one of our books, Real Estate Treasure Map. So those are definitely perfect books for those of you who are ready to take your businesses to the next level. In the meantime, if there's anything we can ever do for you, and I love the emails we get from you guys, especially the ones where you're sharing with us um, radio topic ideas, (laughs) uh, do email Julie directly, julie at timandjulieharris.com or myself at at uh, timandjulieharris.com. And anything we can ever do for you at any time, guys, coaching clients or otherwise, please remember to reach out. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow.